Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Hebrews chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Then Genesis chapter 31, beginning in verse 44. Now therefore come, let us make a covenant. You, Laban, and I, Jacob, let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone, set it up as a pillar. Then Jacob said to his brethren, gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap. And they ate there on the heap. I want to teach today a message titled, In Between Part 2. In Between Part 2. Let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that he builds his church. The gates of hell will not prevail. Father, I thank you for each person here, and I thank you for the provisions of the blood of Jesus and His cross and resurrection, and I ask, Holy Spirit, you would begin to apply it to lives today. That where there's been confusion, the light and truth of God would drive it out. That sweet anointing of God that you would work in broken hearts today, you would work in lives today that Christ and His resurrection and the reality of His victory and truth would prevail that you would help us in these moments to get our eyes fixed on you, Jesus Christ, and your victory and finished work alone. I yield to you, Holy Spirit. I need thee. Have your way that Christ would be revealed in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were here two weeks ago, I kicked off the series with In Between Part 1. In Between. We talked about that when it comes to the issue of emotions, there are two major ditches. The first major ditch, you can imagine the stairs over there being a ditch and over here at the end of this stage being a ditch, that there are two major ditches. One is the suppression of our emotions. The other is slavery to our emotions. And that biblically, we are called to live somewhere in between those ditches. We don't want to suppress emotions, for God created us to experience emotions. But we also don't want to live in slavery to our emotions because we are more than just what we feel. We are more than just the emotions in the moment. Today in part two, I want to begin by ensuring that we're all on the same place regarding two words and the difference between these two words up front. These two words are control and influence. 
Control is defined by dictionary.com as the following. To dominate, to command, to hold in check, or to curb. Now it's interesting because it gives as an example of control to control one's emotions. That's interesting and we're going to come back to that thought and that statement. But influence is altogether different than control. Because influence is defined as the capacity or power of persons or things to be a compelling force on or produce effects on the actions, behaviors, opinions, etc. of others. But then influence is also defined as the action or process of producing those effects on the actions, behaviors, opinions, etc. of others. Now that's interesting because here it recognizes when it comes to influence two aspects. What is the capacity you have to influence another? And then the actual process of going about fulfilling that capacity you have to influence them. Separate. The capacity and the action or process of doing it. Now when we think about the difference between control and influence, we need wisdom. We need wisdom. I'm reminded of Isaiah 33 and verse 5 where the prophet foresees this reign of righteousness. Jesus Christ, this reign of righteousness and this reign of peace. And and the prophet says in the context of talking about the kingdom of God, says the Lord will be exalted for He dwells on high. He has filled Zion with justice and righteousness. Watch this. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times. Very interesting. We would understand that today to say wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your seasons. How many know that life has seasons? Some of you don't like your season right now. Well, that's okay. Some of you like your season right now. That's okay. But notice, wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation and the fear of the Lord is His treasure. Notice the highlight of knowledge and wisdom in bringing stability. It makes me remember the serenity prayer. Maybe you're aware of this prayer. It's a the common name of a prayer by an American theologian who's uh, long past, but Reinhold Neighbor. And the best known form of this prayer is, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. See, I summarize that in my mind when I think through that powerful prayer, simple prayer. God, give me the wisdom to know and discern 
what I can and can't control and what I can and can't influence. We need wisdom to know the difference. When you lack wisdom in knowing the difference, then your frustration level is going to increase rapidly. To seek to control something that you don't have the ability to control, but only influence, your frustration level is going to go through the roof. When I look at the horizon of life, the reality of life and what we face, I think about four major categories and how the need of wisdom in discerning the difference between control and influence in these areas of life becomes so important. Let me name these four. The first is circumstantial. I had two spellings when I was studying this week, and so my mind goes back between both of them. Circumstantial. It's a major, major area of life. The next, relational. A major area. Our relationships. Okay? Then, spiritual. Circumstantial, relational, and spiritual. Then on this side, we have personal. I want to go ahead and tell you up front today that many of your frustrations is because of your need of wisdom to discern the different areas you're actually dealing with and whether you can control the issues that fall in the different categories versus influence them. See, there are issues related to each of these four areas that you can and can't control. And there are issues related to these four areas that you can and can't influence. Think about it with me for a moment. When you think of the circumstantial, can you control all circumstances that come into your life? Absolutely not. Can you influence, though, some circumstances that come into your life? Absolutely. But then your ability or how much you can influence the circumstances differ. Some circumstances you can influence more than others. Other circumstances, you can influence a little bit, but not really much. For instance, how much can you really influence the circumstance called weather? I mean, minutely, if you use all, you know, they said, I remember in the, in the 80s, in the early 90s, you know, women, they, they had the big hair then. You remember that? I do because my mom had it. That's why I knew what the ladies had. And I'd see her, I'm talking about just hairspray galore. 
That, it wasn't the cloud of glory showing up in the bathrooms. It was a cloud from, from the spray can. But you remember, it, if you didn't use the spritz kind, but the spray kind, they said, oh, you're depleting the ozone. Well, maybe so. But, you know, one can, that's a minor influence on the big circumstance of weather. So you can influence a little bit maybe, but you can't influence it on a major scale. Can't control the weather. So some of you would have had sunshine these last couple of days. Amen. It'd be a little warmer today. You can't control that to the level that we can control other areas of life. Other issues of circumstantial, like the loss of a job. Can you control that? Well, if it's because of your incompetence, if it's because of your attitude, if it's because of your unfaithfulness or you not doing what's asked of you, then you actually can control that largely. But if it's because of a downsize, if it's because of a turn in economy and your field is experiencing that, then that's outside of your ability to control greatly. Think about when it comes to relational aspect. How many of you have sought to, who are parents, control your children? Oh, wouldn't that be nice? But you know, though it's hard for us to finally give up, we can't control them. But we do have the capacity to influence them, even though it is a difficult process at times. So there is a, Am I trying to control others? Am I trying to influence others? And then there is a difference in amount regarding the person you're dealing with, how much you can influence them. Some are in a posture in relationship to you that you can influence them more than others. When you think about spirituality, how much can you control? How much can you influence? Think about yourself. How much of personal issues in life can you actually control versus personal issues you can influence. When you think about the personal, you have to think about the emotions, the experience of your emotions. It's interesting in that definition because it actually used an example on control as in one controlling their emotions. I want to tell you that that's faulty today. I want to tell you, you can't control your emotions. You can contain them. But you can't control your emotions in the sense of in a healthy, according to God's will for your life, where you don't experience them or only experience the ones you want. That would be falling into the ditch of suppression. We don't control our emotions. In fact, people who seek to control their emotions are going to have difficulties in life. Why? Because as we're going to see today, that there are other influences that we can't control that actually influence our emotions. So when you try to control your emotions, you're falling in a trap of then seeking to control things that you cannot control. And let me tell you, as a believer a sense of helplessness, a sense of not feeling empowered is not good because the gospel empowers us, but it only empowers us in certain areas 
It doesn't empower us to be able to control everything. And when we don't have clarity on that distinction, then we don't have the wisdom needed to bring stability in our life. In our life. For instance, you can't determine the only type of emotions you experience, can you? You don't just have a happy trigger. You don't have a trigger that blocks you out from grief and sorrow and other emotions of rage or disappointment. But here's the thing you got to understand. Though you can't control the experience of your emotions, you can determine whether you're going to live with that emotion. Now listen, you can't control if you want to be emotionally healthy, you can't control not experiencing grief. But you can do something about whether or not you're going to live in and with grief. For instance, you cannot at times control not experiencing disappointment. That then brings sadness. But you can do something about whether you're going to live with that sadness. So each of these four, as we live between the ditches of suppression and slavery to our emotions, can influence our emotional experience, my emotional experience, and your emotional experience. And when you do not know where such categories start and end, their boundaries and our responsibilities regarding them, it can and most likely will lead to your emotional experience becoming overwhelming. Overwhelming. See, two weeks ago I helped us simply understand that emotions are the feelings of the soul. When you think of our emotions, they're the feelings of our soul. Why is that important? Because you're more than just a soul. Scripturally, the way God has created us as humans and designed us, you have a body, you have a soul, and you're a spirit. And emotions, though, are the feelings of the soul. Your body has feelings, but that's not the same as the feelings of your soul. Therefore, what this means, emotions belong to the soul of man and therefore emotions fall under the personal category. And not only do emotions fall under the personal category, but body, soul, and spirit fall under the personal Now, the emotions are an aspect of the soul, but guess what else makes up the soul? Your mind and your will. Now, these are areas that fall fall under the personal category of life. You know what else falls under personal? The words we speak. The behaviors and actions we choose. 
These are all areas that fall under the personal. It's very, very important. Because when you don't understand they fall on the personal, let's take behaviors or actions, and you don't know that they belong under the personal, but you're trying to believe they fall under the relational, well, now I can start experiencing an emotion that's not healthy to live with called blame because I have not wisdom that I'm blaming others for things that don't fall under relational category. It falls under personal category. And this is how the enemy, who is the author of confusion, seeks to confuse us. And many times when we feel confused, we just become passive. We accept things that we actually could change as things that we can't change. We play the role of a victim when we're actually not a victim except a victim of not having God's wisdom. God's wisdom. Not just is there the personal category, but let's talk about the relational category. Do you know some things that fall under the relational category? The words of others. The choices of others, people that you're in relationships with, their choices. And not just the words of others, well, what about their tone? What about their timing? These are all things that fall under the relational category. Their behaviors. Here's another one. Not just their choices, but what about the consequences of their choices? These all fall under the relational category of life. Now let's talk about the circumstantial. What's some things that fall under the circumstantial category? How about, as already mentioned, how about weather? Possibly a loss of job. How about just summarizing it with any circumstance? Circumstantial. You know one that we often forget? The family we were born into. We didn't choose that, did we? That's circumstantial. It's a circumstance. And here's the important thing. All of these areas have some type of impact upon our emotional experience. All of them. The circumstantial, the relational, the spiritual, which we'll come back to, and the personal. And when you get control and influence confused, do you see how much you can become overwhelmed? Now listen. Some things we can influence, some things we can control. There's different levels of influence. But because all of these areas influence in some way your emotions, my emotions, our emotions, it creates in life the reality of what's called the swing. That in between the ditches of being a slave to your emotions, 
and suppressing your emotions, we are going to experience the swing. Now, when you think of a swing and you look at the swing, it's not consistent. It's it's not stable. It's not unchanging. There's motion, fluidness to it. Why? Because the swing represents that you have things you cannot control that influence your emotions. Therefore, your emotions at times will consistently be inconsistent like a swing. It's not by chance that we call it mood swings. It's not by chance that we wake up and maybe we're in an environment where we do have great control, we do have great influence, But then later in the day, we have moved into an arena of life where we're experiencing other parts of life that we cannot control or greatly influence, and now it's caused our emotions to begin to swing. Because things that we can't control or dictate have influence upon our soul. Now listen, when when Jesus talked about John the Baptist... He said, did you go out? Did you leave your comfort? Did you leave what you were doing and go out in the wilderness to see one that's just shaking? Do you go out and give up comfort and see what he's about? One who's unstable as water? No, no, no. He said, you went out because he was like a reed not shaking in the wind. Now listen to me. If you live in between the ditches, but your main attention and focus is on the swing, on your emotions, you're not going to have the stability of the kingdom. You're not going to have an unshakableness in life. You're not going to have the ability to obey and move forward in the way and the plan of God for you because you're going to base your actions, your words, what you do based on where the swing's at in that moment. Am I in a good mood or am I in a bad mood? Is my emotions really moving fast and they're going crazy and all over? Or... Do they feel a little slower today and a little more manageable today? Listen, this is a dangerous place to live, friends. To live determining your life based on where the swing is at in the moment. You are giving yourself over to be able to be led by things outside of your control. But God didn't call us to have a life that is dictated and based upon things outside of our control. God did not call us to a life that is lived based solely on how we feel emotionally. That's why Paul, the apostle, sent by Jesus frames the entire New Testament experience and our walk in Romans 1 by quoting the Old Testament prophet 
the righteous, the just, shall live by faith. Faith. That there is a substance, there is an evidence that is more true and sufficient than what kind of mood swing we're having in the moment. See, without, listen, without there being inconsistencies and without there being a swing in our emotions, there's no need for faith. If our emotions never fluctuated, if there's never going to be days where the feelings of the soul, the emotions change, then we don't need faith. The reason to just live by faith is because we live in a world where there's some areas, circumstantial and relational and spiritual, that we cannot dictate, command, or control, and yet they have influence on the swing and the experience of our emotions. So if you're going to become a kingdom disciple, if you're going to become a kingdom believer, you're going to have to learn the walk that every brother and sister that's went before us has learned, and it's called the way of faith. The way of faith, not the way of the swing. Now let me just up front encourage us a little bit. Because we think, well, because I'm in a bad swing today, well, that gives me the right to treat others wrong. That gives me the right to let my words be harsh. When I don't feel good emotionally, that gives me the right to not do things that God has asked of me. But let me give us the ultimate picture. As Jesus is suspended between heaven and earth, for nothing that he did, for no wrongs that he committed. And in that moment of great difficulty, great pain, great emotions, I can imagine, he didn't allow those things to dictate his response or his action. He allowed the Father his faith and his obedience to the Father to dictate what he did. And what did he say? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was able to manifest and reveal the kingdom, a kingdom of forgiveness and mercy and slow to anger. Though he had some emotions and some circumstances and some relational things that he wasn't in that moment controlling. And he becomes our call. What do I mean by that? That God's number one purpose for you and I is to be conformed to that image. The image of Jesus to an unshakableness in the kingdom, to a life of faith and a life of obedience that's not dependent on the mood swings, but it's dependent on something deeper. 
It's something deeper. Wisdom leads us to understand which of these four categories do we have the ability to control or only the ability to influence. And listen, this is what's called the work of faith. The work of faith is getting the wisdom to discern what I can and cannot control and what I can and cannot influence. Let's look at the personal. Under the personal, why don't y'all holler at me up here? Put a backwards D. Under personal, you find the body. Listen, all of us here today, or at least almost all of us, have the ability to dictate in the area of our body three things. What we eat, our sleep, and exercise. Listen, we have the ability to control in regards to the personal category of our body, what goes in our mouth, when we choose to lay down and go to sleep, and whether or not we exercise. Why is that important? Because eating, sleeping, and exercising affects the body, and the body has some effect on your emotions. Now, I can't control whether there's going to be a storm. But I can't control when it comes to my body what goes in my mouth when I lay my head down to sleep and whether or not I exercise. Meaning, through eating, sleeping, or exercising, things we can dictate, we can affect our emotions in a positive way or by being unwise in our eating, sleeping, and exercise, we can affect them in a negative way. And because our body does have effect and some influence upon our emotional experience, listen, this is wisdom. And wisdom becomes the stability for us in our different seasons and in our different times. And listen, it matters and it adds up. Especially when you find yourself in a very difficult season. By very difficult means you're experiencing many things you cannot control. And so when you learn to get the rhythms of wisdom on areas like the body that you can control, it enables you to have more stability in the most difficult seasons of your life. But if we don't get these rhythms of wisdom in our life, it makes our most difficult seasons that much more difficult because of our lack of wisdom to know what we can control. And listen, it is always valuable to have an awareness of what we can control because without that awareness, listen, we think there's nothing we can do when there is at least something we can do. In fact, this is why you'll have a hard time finding any licensed counselor today. 
who will not address or ask about what you are or are not doing with your body regarding eating, sleeping, and exercising because they know how that affects the emotions and our feelings of our soul. You know what else, though, affects our emotional experience under the personal? Our words and our actions. Do you know that the words that comes out of your mouth affects your heart? It affects your emotions? The Bible speaks of it often. Do you know that your actions affect your emotions? Of course you do. Because some of you, what is really affecting you is you have a sense of shame, sense of guilt, self-hatred, self-wrath. Why? Because you know there's been some actions or some behaviors that you've done that you don't like that you have done them. So our words and our actions affects our emotions. But you know what's deeper than the words? Do you know what's deeper than the behaviors and actions? Do you know what actually is underlying why we do what we do and why we say what we say? Do you know what's actually underlining it? Our thoughts. Our mind and our thoughts. The thoughts... underline why we say what we say. Our thoughts and our mind underline why we behave and do what we do. I remember I got a call in the middle of the night many years ago. And I was woken up and this person was basically having a nervous breakdown. And this person fell into a relational category that They trusted and saw me as a person that they were open to receive influence from. So my capacity to influence that person was great. So I threw on some clothes and headed over to their house. And when I got there, I mean, this tears running down physically, shaking and upset. And this person is constantly saying, I can't do it. I hate life. It's never going to change. And everything out of their mouth was oriented towards the negative of their present, negativity towards their past, and negativity for their future. And their words was overwhelming their emotions, but what was causing their words was what they were believing and thinking about life, about themselves, about circumstances about situations. You say, what do you do? Well, this person was one that had declared the lordship of Jesus before, and so I opened the Word of God. And I just began to read the Word of God in the presence of this person. As they did, they began to just shake as oppression was breaking off their life. Why? Because they invited the serpent to come and bite them and stir them up like 1 Corinthians 10 says through their complaining and through their negativity and the tongue speaks either life or death and so we introduce some new words in that situation and the new words allow the Holy Spirit to begin to blow and influence their emotions in that moment and change their countenance. 
I'll never forget when the just began to read Scripture. No advice, just read Scripture. The Holy Spirit began to manifest in that room, in that family room, and the joy of God's kingdom just came in. And tears and overwhelming went to a sense of, why am I laughing and sensing joy? Because the thoughts that was empowering wrong words and behaviors ceased and some new words and some new input was given. In fact, do you know that the majority of the time that our thoughts actually influence our will? You say, I, I find myself like Paul in Romans 7 doing the very thing I hate. And I don't will to do it, but I find myself finding myself doing the thing I hate. Well, guess what empowers even our will? What influences our will? The thoughts in the mind. If we don't believe that God is a perfect father, then when he asks us to surrender our Isaac to him, we to lay and surrender something He's given to us to Him and to trust Him in, in a greater depth in an area, even a God area in our life, then if we have wrong thoughts about the Father, how many understand those wrong thoughts will influence our will to say, No, can't trust you in that. See, wisdom actually does not seek to control our emotions, but wisdom does seek to utilize more and more wisdom to bring greater stability to our life regardless of the current emotional swing we're in. That's what wisdom does. That's what wisdom does. Now, when you think of these four categories, the one we have the least ability to control and the least ability to influence is the circumstantial. There are so many circumstances. It's amazing. It's amazing how many people allow the political spectrum so overwhelm their life and keep them in a constant overwhelming emotional swing when the majority, the vast majority of political circumstantial thing, you and I don't have the capacity to greatly influence. Are you with me? So if that becomes my predominant focus, then you understand my daily life and the emotional swing is going to be all out of whack because there's so little I can actually do to correct the wrongs on a government level of our nation. Not just our nation, think of the nations of the world. Nations of the world. Is there little things I can do to influence? Can I call a senator and write a letter? Absolutely. And you can do those things. But on a great scale, you got to understand the level that you can control and influence. So circumstantial would be predominantly the least we can control and influence. You're going to find more things in that category of life that you cannot control or even influence greatly. Next, we would have less ability to influence the relational, and the spiritual. Meaning, guess what we have the greatest ability to control and influence? 
the personal. It's not by chance that Jesus said, first give attention to your own eye. The eye in Semitic and Hebraic culture represented the soul, the soul of man, the, that which was the personal. The personal. And though we cannot control most things that happen in the circumstantial and the relational, the spiritual categories of life, nor can we 100% control, watch this, the thoughts we experience in our mind. Listen, we can completely control what thoughts we continue to dwell on by taking them captive and creating new input in our mind. And that new input, friends, is God's Word. That's why we, at the beginning of the year, put a Bible reading plan to help give you wisdom to bring some stability to your daily life and activities because the Word of God is new input. The Word of God will help take some old input, some old thinking, some old beliefs, captive. Let's look at it in 2 Corinthians 10 and 4. 2 Corinthians 10 and 4, Paul the Apostle tells the Corinthians, and it still applies to us today, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Do you see it there? This assures you and I that we cannot control 100% of the thoughts that come to our mind even if we sought to completely remove ourselves from all circumstantial and all relational issues and categories of life. Why? Because there still is the spiritual category. And in the spiritual category, you find the, de the devil and his demons and his kingdom. And guess what they do? They send thoughts as strategies to deceive us, to steal from us, to rob of us, to kill our spiritual life, to destroy us. They send thoughts. And this is why Paul says, because we cannot completely control the thoughts that come because you have spiritual forces in the enemy that hate your life. See, we're not playing church. It's impossible to play church. You live in a world where you have an enemy, an enemy that's out to destroy you, to destroy our families, to destroy our future. And what he does is he sends thoughts. He sends lies. And he uses the world and he uses things that he can influence, circumstances and people to try to convince us that the thoughts he sent to our mind are true. Are true. And that's why Paul said, no, no, you got to be engaged in spiritual warfare. Because there's going to be some thoughts that come into your life that's not from you. It's from the enemy of your life, Satan. And you're going to have to take those thoughts captive into obedience to Christ. You're going to have to take it captive, meaning you're not going to allow that thought to stay and you're not going to dwell on those thoughts. They're lies. He's a liar from the beginning. It's contrary to God's Word. It's contrary to the person of Jesus Christ. It's contrary to God's will for your life. 
Now listen to me. More captive thoughts leads to a less swing in your life. If you have less captive thoughts, it leads to more swing in your life. Listen, I can never promise you that you won't have swing. But I can tell you that in all of this area, there's one thing you are always empowered and can control, and that's what thoughts stay in your mind. And the more thoughts that are taken captive into obedience to God's Word and God's plan, the less of a swing your emotions will have. Listen, the most unstable emotionally among us is those who have the less captive thoughts among us. Because our thoughts are a primary influence on our emotions. On our emotions. People say, well, what about chemicals in the body, Pastor Chad? We have real issues. Women, they experience different chemicals, different times. There's truth and reality to the menopause and things like that where the chemicals begin to change and that effect on the body without a doubt has effect emotions. But here's the point. Does God tell us whether we're women or men to allow emotions and what we feel to dictate the choices in what we do? No. There, listen, there is a deeper, a deeper substance to dictate what we do and what we do not do regardless of how great the swing is in the moment. And that's where we find this exhortation of Scripture. You ready? Hebrews 6, 19. Maddie, if you'll come. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Think of it this way. This hope we have as an anchor... For our swings. This hope we have as an anchor for our emotions. This hope we have as an anchor. Watch this, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus having become high priest forever. According to the order of Machesaldeck, Notice he says this anchor. You know what the anchor is? Hope found in Jesus. You know what the anchor is when you read it in Hebrews 6? That God cannot lie. That's called His Word. Well, guess who His Word is? It's Jesus Christ. So ultimately what you find is, is we have an anchor who is Jesus, who is revealed in the Word of God, and He is the anchor for our soul. Notice he says, this anchor Jesus, he went before us. I want to tell you that out before you and in front of your life, there is an anchor and his name is Jesus. When you think about your future and things that are unknown and what it is, you've got to understand that out in your future, there is an anchor that is sure and steadfast. His name is Jesus Christ. And the reason the anchor is sure and steadfast is because our emotions and our swing is not sure and steadfast. But I tell you this, is if you allow that anchor 
to become the anchor for your soul, it'll be like an anchor on a boat. That boat still can sway some, and the wind and the storms can still rock the boat and make the boat drift a little. But with that anchor down, it can't drift too far. It can't have an emotional experience that's so overwhelming that the boat goes under. The boat will continue to flow. The boat will continue to be steadfast even though there is some inconsistency. And I want to tell you it's the same for you and I. That when we don't allow our emotions to be the anchor for what we do, what we won't do but we allow Jesus Christ who went before us and he is the anchor within us he will anchor us that when the emotions start to shake when we're in a season where there's so many circumstances blowing upon our emotions when our relationships are in a difficult time in the emotions are from mood swing to mood swing when the enemy's coming in and it's thought after thought and our emotions are raging there is an anchor that keeps us from moving from failing from drowning but it is sure and steadfast I'm talking about Jesus Christ this morning Jesus Christ he's not just the anchor before us who has walked this life of faith He's bore the cross. He experienced the faithfulness of the Father in resurrection. He's seated at the right hand of the Father right now. He's not just the forerunner and the anchor that went before us, but listen, He's the anchor within us. Paul said this is the mystery of the new covenant. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. That regardless of how big my mood swing is, regardless of how bad I feel emotionally, regardless of how much wind and storm and influence is coming from circumstances and relationships and the spiritual, if I will come to know a greater substance within me, a substance that's deeper than my emotions, deeper than the swing, if I'll come to know Jesus Christ as the anchor within me, that even on the what seems to be the worst day, even on the day when it feels like you are strung between heaven and earth and you are forsaken by God Almighty, you will be able to say in that moment because you don't base your words and your actions and what you do on the swing, but you base it on the anchor of Jesus within you and Him living through you, you're able to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. See, you remember in Genesis? You have this story of Jacob and Laban. Let me break it down for you. Jacob makes an agreement with Laban, I'll work seven years for that youngest daughter of yours. He works seven years. He has a marriage ceremony for the youngest daughter. But that night, Laban deceives him. He sends the oldest daughter in the tent. It ain't like America. They ain't got lights and stuff everywhere. You can only imagine he wakes up the next morning and it's not the youngest sister, it's the oldest sister. You can imagine the shock. I'm surprised he lived through the shock, to be honest with you. But he did. God kept him. He had an anchor. <laughs> He's oh, he, is, he cannot believe it. Then Laban says, hey, after a week, because there was a whole week of marital ceremonies. After you fulfill your week to the oldest daughter, I'll give you the youngest, but you got to work seven more years for me. 
He says, okay. So after a week, he gets the youngest daughter, but he has to work seven years. Then Laban changes his pay scale because he works for Laban. Ten times. He's out there working for Laban. He thinks this is what I'm supposed to make. Laban changes his pay scale ten times. Here's the deal. Jacob's in a relationship with someone who the only consistency in that person's life is that they're inconsistent. You don't know what you're going to get with Laban. You don't know what. And he says, you know what? I need to leave. But Jacob's scared to leave because he's dealing with someone whose only consistency is inconsistent. He don't know, is he going to kill him? What's going to happen? So God comes and gives him wisdom. He gives him a way to leave and not lose all the fruit of his labor. That he'll leave with some goats and some sheep that he's been raising. That he'll leave with some substance. So Jacob gets God's wisdom. He leaves. Laban wakes up. His daughters are gone. His grandchildren are gone. Jacob's gone. And he's furious. He begins to pursue them with men. They meet. Right before they meet, God gives Laban a dream. He warns him. He says, you leave him alone. You leave him alone. I gave him wisdom. The Bible says in this moment, Genesis 21, that Laban and Jacob says, let us make a covenant. Let us make a covenant. Let it be a witness between you and me. Jacob took a stone. He set it up as a pillar. He told his servants to get some other stones. The Bible says they keep gathering stones and they they make a heap of stones. And they begin to pile these stones up. And here's Jacob in his personal life. Here's Laban with his relational, his relationship with him. And between Jacob and Laban is a heap of stones. Jacob said this way, if either you or me go towards the other, none of us will be able to pass this heap of stones with remembering. With remembering our covenant that we have committed to not harm one another, but to do each other good. Listen to me. You're going to have to learn that this is wisdom. You got to gather some stones and get some stones and put a heap of stones between you and all of these other areas of life. Because the heap of stones witness to your anchor. Some of you, the reason you get so overwhelmed is that you ain't got a heap of stones that witnesses when your emotions are going crazy, when you're in a mood swing, you ain't got a heap of stones between you and your circumstances that witness that you have an anchor that though you feel crazy and you feel angry, it it anchors you to not sin in your anger. That in your marriage when your emotions are raging and You think there's no hope and there's never going to be a turnaround in the marriage. you got to get a heap of stones that witness in your relationships that there's an anchor. That there's an anchor that you don't have to give up. Just invite Christ to work. Listen, every one of us need wisdom to put a heap of stones between us and all of these other issues that affect our emotions. 
when I work out consistently, I'm putting a, one stone. Then I work out the next day, it's another stone. What am I doing? I'm putting a heap of stones between my body and my emotions that reminds me that I got an anchor, that there's a God that created me fearfully and wonderfully made, that it doesn't matter how my body was used in the past or what others had done to it, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and that physical exercise has some profit, but godliness has the full profit. you got to get a heap of stones that witness in all the areas of your life to Jesus Christ, the anchor, who's sure and steadfast. See, do you understand every Sunday you come in here and gather, you're putting another stone on the pile between you and your circumstances. Every Sunday you come in here, you're putting another stone between your emotions and your relationships. Every Sunday you come in here, you're putting another stone between the enemy who hates you and your emotions. You got to surround your life with a heap of stones that witness to Jesus Christ your anger that when your emotions are as wild as they could ever be you can't experience those emotions without seeing a heap of stones that witness that Christ can anchor you though your emotions are raging though you're feeling what you're feeling there is an anger Christ in you and Christ before you that can sustain you where you don't have to be a slave to what you feel. You don't have to be a slave to what you feel. That you can work when you don't feel like working because you got an anchor that's greater than the feelings and the emotions at that moment. That you have an anchor when you feel so angry at a friend and you think about, you know what, is it even worth it? But the Lord's given you that relationship that you have an anchor that witnesses, no, trust me in this. Don't cut off the relationship. Or maybe for some of you, you've got a relationship that you think you can control or you think you can influence more than you can and you need to see some a heap of stones that witnesses between your emotions and that relationship that you can't influence it enough and it's got your emotions so overwhelmed that you're not being productive in other areas that God wants you to be productive. Therefore, you got to have a wall. you got to have a boundary between you and that relationship until they do some things. But in all times, the heap of stones, you know what it witnesses to? That we, the just, regardless of the emotional and mood swing, we live by faith in Christ and who He is who He is in us and how He's made us in our image that because of the anchor He's our kindness towards others even when we emotionally feel angry that He is the generosity of God even when our emotions we feel stingy that He is our joy that we have been saved from an eternity separated from our Maker, even when we are feeling sadness and sorrow in life. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.